the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Um, Many, many things to cover. I hope you enjoyed that interview I did yesterday with uh, Kataline Novak, the Minister for Families in Hungary. Extraordinary lady. I got an email from some folks that are that listen to that online on the podcast. You can go to ProAmericaReport.com and find out more and listen there. And one of them uh, uh, emailed me... um, and actually a direct message on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin and said, you really need to look at the list of specifically pro family, um, policies that Hungary keeps pushing, um, tax incentives for families, um, tax breaks for, um, for, uh, tax incentive, sorry, incentives for families. Uh, a young couple can get a loan, but also tax, um, breaks if you have, uh, more than two kids, all kinds of things. Anyway, very specific uh, pieces of legislation and policy that they've been enacting. So very cool interview. Hope you can track it down. ProAmericareport.com and, uh, get a look over, get a listen over there. Uh, also, also, at ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for the daily email. It's the Wink, W-Y-N-K, what you need to know, what you need to know. The daily Wink goes out each morning, Monday through Friday. It gets in your inbox at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. And you can get basically what I would say is my hand-picked uh, key links, key play, uh, key um, stories, and key issues. And I'm getting you know, up to like 80,000 people get that thing every morning. So you're going to want to check that out. All right. In a few moments, we're going to talk with Todd Benzman. I actually had to pre-record this interview with him because he is down on the border. He's the senior policy, a senior fellow for national security at the Center for Immigration Studies. Guys, really, really smart. Um, the good thing about periodically you meet these people that are involved in an issue and they're, they, they tend to be, um, in the same, uh, direction as, as you are, as I am. So he, he, I'm not sure he's a conservative across the board, but on the issue of immigration, he says, yeah, you know, he's like, you got to secure the border. It's crazy, but he's mostly an investigative journalist. So he just digs into things. He doesn't seem to have the ability to kind of get too, um, histrionic. He just kind of says what's there. And in this interview, in just a few moments, you'll hear, he says, it doesn't matter. What Joe Biden says, it doesn't matter when Kamala Harris visits the border and says, don't come, don't come, don't come. Excuse me. She didn't visit the border. She went to Guatemala and said that he said he told me literally you'll hear in a few moments on the border. Illegals and individuals will send um, selfies back and they'll post messages on social media saying, I made it through. I'm through. And he say, he's, he spends time with the illegals. They talk about it. They're actually they're waiting. They wait for a message. Oh, so and so made it through. Here's a picture of him. He selfie. He sent back, texted back a selfie, posted on social media, all that stuff. So extraordinary guy. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. All right. Uh, today, what do you need to know today? What you need to know is at this point, is there any doubt? I mean, any doubt. That Joe Biden is, say, let's say it generously. Joe Biden's policies are in China's communist China's favor, 
Okay, or you could say it in, in you know, kind of against him. He's a stooge for China. He is a stooge for China. One of the two is true. Either way, it doesn't really matter much to me because here's the reality. Earlier on Wednesday, Joe Biden announced and did it by executive order. He reversed the lawsuits. The, the, so Donald Trump took steps against TikTok because TikTok, TikTok is owned by the communist regime and it had become so popular with so many Americans. It was becoming a massive, uh, data gathering tool for the communist regime. And that was expressed by everybody. Everybody agreed. It's, there's no such thing as a independent Chinese company. And TikTok is owned by the Chinese and therefore the communist regime. And they're getting tons of data on Americans. So uh, Trump basically cracked down and said, you can't have this. You can't have it owned like that. You got to have different structure, whatever. He didn't quite ban it. As it's reported that he banned it. He more, he more put checks on it that made it very difficult to envision how it would go forward. And for a minute, there was a conversation about, is TikTok going to be purchased by somebody else? How, what are they going to do with it? But the reality is this. On Wednesday morning, Joe Biden said TikTok can come back and, and do whatever they want within a few constraints. And so immediately the lawsuit that TikTok filed against the Trump uh, executive order is probably I don't know if it's mooted yet, but it will be no longer uh, a valid lawsuit because that 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 rule is gone that so they can drop that lawsuit. And my point here is how many times are we going to see conduct by Joe Biden that is so preferential to China's interest. I mean, think about it. Negotiating to re-enter the Paris Climate Accords, which is effectively a massive tax on America to, to, towards, to, and the money's given to the international community when China cheats on climate change. That's just a known thing, right? I mean, the, the, the ban on Chinese uh, institutions, uh, excuse me, American institutions getting money from the Chinese, especially higher education. You know, uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, just signed a law that says that Florida uh, higher education will not have these deals where they get communist Chinese money to put up Confucius institutes on campuses because they become they become places where you can educate and reeducate just like the communists want to do. It's one of their goals. So we now have President Biden. Under Oh, he cancels the Keystone Pipeline, causing all sorts of problems with our energy supply, which China loves because China has. An, oh, here's another one on chip uh, manufacturing. We were now saying we don't want any, no interest in Greenland, which has a bunch of uh, of the uh, trace elements that are important for making chips and other high tech stuff. And China, meanwhile, is buying up the whole world on that front controls something like 80 percent of these sort of uh, these special trace elements that I forget them using the wrong phrase there, but that, that are protected that you need to have and must, therefore must be protected to have your high tech work. China sends a, 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 a an aircraft to Mars. They're racing to space. They're racing to nuclear. And we're just plugging along. Anyway, I, it, it really is getting ridiculous at this point. And and I would say that Donald Trump didn't get this done either, to be fair. The Chinese regime knows and sends fentanyl to our country to kill our kids. And we're still standing around pretending it's okay, pretending it doesn't matter. So I at this point, the, and you know what? Most of America won't understand much of the, the things I'm talking about. They're in the weeds, you know, these details of different things. But they'll understand that one guy, Trump, banned TikTok. And the other guy, Biden, said, yeah, have at it. And, you know, many Americans may say, oh, that was dumb to ban TikTok. It's just an app. You don't understand what's happening. 
You don't understand what's happening if you think that millions and millions of people on a Chinese app are that the data is being gathered isn't used against us. Remember, these are the people, the communist regime, or this is the people, these are the people that have a, a file on every citizen of their country. It's called a Dengen. They admit that. It used to be a manila env- a manila folder. You could see it. There was a famous picture in the New York Times. I remember the late Phyllis Schlafly showed it to me of, of a massive, massive uh, 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 st- uh, storage facility with records, uh, records, you know, almost, um, you could picture it, it's, it almost looked like um, filing cabinets, one after another, and they were filled with dangan, which was his term for a folder, that when you were born, you got a folder created. Now it's an electronic folder. And you know what China's not doing? Stopping with their own people. If you got a billion two in your dangan machine, you might as well start adding the 350 a million Americans, and they're doing it. And it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch. Um... If I was living in Taiwan, I'd be terrified because I'd be thinking, you know, they're about to they're about to do what they did to Hong Kong in Taiwan. Now, it's going to be a little different because they they were able to convince the uh, British to leave Hong Kong so that Hong Kong could be so-called independent for a while. And then the Chinese basically took it over. Well, I don't know how they'll do that quite as cleanly with uh, t- uh, Taiwan. And I don't want them to. But I, I feel like they're going to. And I don't think they're going to be impressed by the so-called president of the United States and his um, what rhetoric. He's, um, he's, yeah, it's a mess. All right, everybody, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Todd Benzman and get an update on what's going on at the border in just a moment. Don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, find out more there. Sign up for the Daily Wink and listen to these interviews, especially the Kathleen Novak one uh, from Tuesday. Take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. It's time to check in with our old friend Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is over at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. CIS.org. He is the uh, Texas-based Senior National Security Fellow. And his book, which I have on my shelf right across from me, America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. Todd, it has the distinction of being one of the things my wife always says when she hears the borders wide open. She says, doesn't anybody worry about the terrorists that could come through every time she said it's like a, it's a, and so you're, you're happy to know that one 45 year old uh, suburban mom is right there with Todd Benzman the title of your book and the book so and uh, and so Todd Benzman right now before we get into one of your recent uh, posts and again cis.org is the website uh, where you can see the Center for Immigration Studies a lot of great writing uh, Kamala Harris's visit to Latin America a lot of coverage of her goofy comment when she was asked about going to the border she said she hasn't been to Europe either Everybody kind of has plowed that field. May I ask you a different question about it? Do you have a sense of her credibility in Latin America? In other words, you know, Trump would have been recognized by the Latin American community as somebody who was a a blustery, famous hotel guy. He would have been known as sort of somewhat um, uh, unpredictable in terms of his foreign policy approaches. You know, he calls, at least the way it said, he talked about the bad guys coming, including racists, and then he would, rapists, and then he would talk about uh, building great relationships with the Mexican president. And you, you just didn't know. Is Kamala Harris, when she goes down there, what's her reputation? Does she have, a, does they, does she have one? Does anybody care? Is it making a difference in the, in the world down there? Well, I think she comes across as a typical Yankee uh, gringo who really uh, is uh, providing like messaging at cross purposes. Uh, so like all through the campaign, when she was running for the uh, Democratic uh, nomination, 
she spoke nonstop about how open she would uh, throw the gates at the border, uh, how much she uh, wanted illegal immigration, uh, how how um, reward how, how much reward she would she would provide anybody who comes over sanctuary cities. I mean, it went on on healthcare, free healthcare. And now she's talking about, you know, trying to tell people, uh, immigrants, aspiring immigrants, don't come. We don't want you to come. We'll turn you back if you come. And I think that just destroys her credibility on its face. You know, people down in Latin America, they listen to things that powerful politicians say in America people who are actually in office and they pay attention. Mm -hmm. They're not stupid. And there's Spanish language media that is constantly attuned and reporting on what people say. I just think that that alone uh, wrecks her credibility. She's, she's a phony. She's down there on fraudulent pretenses saying stuff that she doesn't believe. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Todd Benzman, uh, the uh, the very very helpful uh, author as well as reporter journalist. Down, with the, he's with the Center for Immigration Studies. Their senior national security fellow. Okay, so one of your pieces a few days ago was about D Day at the border, and uh, here's my question for you, Todd. The media stopped covering much of the border. I think it's too damning and too chaotic and too just terrible. Um, but. It's not gotten better, right? When, when Kamala Harris says down in Guatemala, I think it was, and the other day says, don't come, don't come, nothing about what they're doing on the border is saying don't come, and so everybody's coming, right? Well, actions speak louder than words always at the border. So it has nothing to do with, with people decision, people's decisions to uh, make a run on the border have nothing to do whatsoever with billboards that uh, somebody puts up, or, you know, don't come, or pronouncements, we're going to turn you back. All that matters are the selfies that successful oh, wow. crossers take of themselves and texts, we're over, uh, emails, we made it. That's all that matters. Uh, so, I mean, really, um, you know, the reality is, you know, what's what's happening in action down there, not in words, we're going to turn you back. Nobody believes it. Everybody knows it's a game. Uh, that, let me, th- that's an, that's a fast, this is a very interesting question. Nobody's told me before. I never thought to ask. Um, if you went on social media right now, I don't know how you'd look because I'm sure it's not happening much in English, right? It's happening in Spanish. Um, can you, could you, Todd Benzman, could you like in two minutes forward five, uh, social media posts from the last couple of days where they're saying we made it, we're over the line. I mean, you sound like you said you could. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it also, you know, keep in mind, yes, the answer, short answer is yes, I could, I could find that. Uh, uh-huh. but, but remember, I spend a lot of time with the immigrants on the ground, both before they come over and after they come over. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, what are you saying to the people back home? And, uh, you know, that's where I'm getting it from. They're, they're telling me that, you know, we, we're in constant touch with the people that just crossed. They're texting us mm. photos. They're texting us. Mm. You know, everybody, I never met a migrant who didn't have uh, a modern cell phone, a smartphone. <laughs> right. And they all right. communicate. They're plugged into social media, and it's a live intelligence grapevine, lifetime intelligence grapevine. And so they may hear uh, Kamala Harris say, 
will turn you back, but all their friends are texting them selfies of them making it and getting released. Mm. Uh, we're talking with Todd Benzman again. CIS.org is the website, Center for Immigration Studies. And if you go to CIS.org backslash Benzman, and Benzman is B-E-N-S-M-A-N, you'll see all of his different writing. There's a piece a couple days ago about um, Panama. And um, so there's now a, a massive surge through Panama. Again, if I didn't have Todd Benzman, I wouldn't know this, and uh, that it's not being covered. <laughs> Explain what that means to have, a, uh, have the, the surge uh, through Panama to the U.S. border. Well, I'll start by pointing out that Kamala Harris and the Biden administration's big plan is to nation build Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador so that they don't need to come because they'll have jobs. But there is a wall, a massive wave of people who are on their way from all over the world, from countries that could certainly use nation building. Uh, I'm not hearing anything about uh, you know, the Biden administration planning to develop Cuba or Haiti, <laughs> redevelop Haiti, <laughs> because there are just tens of thousands of Haitians crossing in over the border and uh, tens of thousands of Cubans and also thousands of people from sub-Sahara Africa, Congo, Cameroon, uh, Senegal. Uh, you name it, to any African country, they're on their way through Colombia, Panama. It's called the Darien Gap. In the month mm-hmm. of May, my report in the month reports that in the month of May alone, 10,000 crossed through Panama from Colombia, which is a world record as far as anybody knows who keeps track of this thing. It's a very, very high number. They usually get that in an entire year. And they got that in one month. Uh, It's going to be the same thing next month and the month after and so forth. So the whole world got La Invitacion, the invitation, uh, the Biden administration's clarion call to come. And they're coming. And I don't see anybody talking about redeveloping uh, Cameroon. (laughs) You know, it's just not part of the deal. (laughs) So. uh, we're talking again, Todd Benzman. It's uh, if you go to uh, cis.org, the website for the Center for Immigration Studies. He's one of their senior fellows and a journalist. And Todd, this isn't in your total. This isn't your, you know. This is maybe an, a guess or an opinion. So I, I, you can you can either answer it or you can say I don't know. Or but do you think that the, I, I saw some of your coverage? There was a Wisconsin congressman. I want to give him credit, Tom Tiffany, who went down there uh, and was down seeing this up close. So good, good for him instead of taking a a codal to uh, somewhere in Europe and, and trying. The fine wines. He's down uh, on a looks like on a on a, a, a small boat down there, making it all the way for uh, his own uh, his own expense. It says an unofficial capacity. But do you think that the Republican Party now, meaning not just after Trump, but after eight months, six months, not even eight, six months of Biden, any um, governing majority of say the House or Senate will be sort of radically uh, pro-America first and and understand the, the extent of this problem? Or are we getting a lot of noise like we've had in different moments in this debate? And it doesn't mean you've you've seen a shift in the in the sort of uh, in the in the possibilities or the, the, the direction of the governing philosophy of the, the Republican Party. What's your thoughts? I mean, you're right. That's not entirely my bailiwick. But my sense is that uh, the Republican Party remains very concerned about what's happening at the border. 
they see an opportunity to win in the midterms and win in the in the next national partly on this issue this thing has right. really gal the, the po- there is polling out there and the polling shows that this uh wide open border uh thing of the democrats this fetish that they have about it uh has you know really energized republicans so and, mm-hmm. and we just saw also i'll just point out this is just a small thing but you know, McAllen, Texas, which is a border city uh, down there in the uh, southern tip, just elected its first ever Republican mayor. Uh, and during the the last national election, quite a few of those counties down there, which have always been blue, the bluest of blue, turned red over mass hmm. illegal immigration. So I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately... This is this is the issue that seems to be galvanizing Republicans. I think any Republican politician in an elected job would ignore this at their peril because people really mm-hmm. worry about this. But unfortunately, uh, you know, th- it's done tremendous damage to America. It's, it's a terrible way to have to galvanize Republicans to damage the country like this. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing that unfortunately I'll tell you is in my experience, and I, it's, again, it's not you're the, you're a journalist and an investigator, um, but a lot of times you'll get these many politicians will run on the issue, and then when they get into office, the powers that be, the big money that's on the side of making arguments about how we need you know we need labor, we need this and that, will will start to skew the performance in office. Let's say it that way. But all right, yeah, Todd Benzman, I got to leave it there. Todd, yep, Todd Benzman at cis dot org. Thanks very much, Todd. Be safe down there. Thank you for your reporting. Thank you. We'll take a quick break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes the column, the weekly column, the Schlafly Report, with his brother Andy. It appears each Tuesday evening, posts over at townhall.com, and is available also as archive, uh, archived, all of his writings. Uh, I'm looking at it right now at phyllisschlafly.com. You can click through to that. Uh, so this week's column is Red-Faced Fauci in Denial. Uh, John, welcome back. How are you? Uh, good, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Let me ask you, John, uh, a broader question. You, and I know you have some experience of this. I have a very public experience when I was a young uh, staffer for governor for the governor of Missouri. When someone goes through all your emails, they can cherry pick a couple things that make you sh- you sound like you were doing something that you probably you weren't either you weren't doing or you certainly weren't doing it with the same animus. I, I did not look at a lot of the emails that Dr. Fauci uh, had exchanged with people. They've been obtained by the uh, a FOIA request, and so they're out there now. Um, is your sense about it that I mean, are we getting? Can you see the full context uh, or, or of what of what he was doing? Is there enough to really know? Well, I wouldn't say Ed, that the emails uh, are that decisive, uh, that there's a smoking gun. I wouldn't say that. Of course, emails, you know, when you write an email, you're typically unguarded and uh, uh, informal. And so you're certainly right that, uh, you know, words, what you write in email is not meant for publicity. And sometimes it's revealed. uh, You know, 
I think the significance is that this is just one of a number of things that have happened in recent weeks which have turned around the unwarranted reputation that Dr. Anthony Fauci has enjoyed for the last 50 years, I would say, as the, you know, as the most authoritative and the highest paid person, the scientist in the federal government. I mean, he's had, and uh, there's an awful lot of questions about uh, how his, uh, how he advised uh, the president, first President Trump, and now President Biden about uh, the coronavirus. I mean, he and it, so, and you can see how the public opinion has turned on Fauci, and you know the revealing of right. the emails is just is one aspect of that. But you know, it didn't all come out of the emails. You're exactly right. There's also the fact that uh, there's just plain evidence that has come out that the people who uh, what was said one year ago and 15 months ago turned out not to be true and right you know and the idea which we were told with great authority that uh this virus arose naturally from uh you know being passed between a couple of strange animals in an open air market in China where the Chinese people buy, you know, living animals that, you know, the Americans have never heard of, and then they t- and then they kill them and eat them, which is an, a very, very odd thing to begin with. That's, you know, that's life in China. You know, live animals are for sale, and then they're slaughtered right on the spot, and then, right. and then people take them home and eat them and well we're talking with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes the Schlafly Report with his brother Andy. Go to uh, townhall.com and find it each week, but also over at phyllisschlafly.com. Red-faced Fauci in denial is a column this week. Let me pause, John. Earlier on Wednesday, I saw a tweet that was forwarded to me, and it was uh, a tweet from uh, uh, Ken Delanian of NBC. And he wrote, quote, a narrative we thought we knew is not the reality, end quote. And he is basically admitting that for the better part of a year, I guess it was a little less than a year, maybe the uh, the whole idea that Lafayette Square Park was cleared by Donald Trump and the military for him to do a photo op is a total lie. It turns out it was cleared by the Interior Department to put up fencing because they were worried about damage and they were worried about security and safety of buildings. And my point here, John, is isn't the Fauci mess also uh, a, a a a lands on the feet of the media that the media and and that really was anyone that was um willing to be opposite trump would would be believed and lionized for it right and so and we keep finding this out fauci's an example that whatever fauci said you know uh, trump says what about uh, hydrochloroquine and uh uh other therapeutics and and then fauci says you know i don't think so and i i guess the the dr fauci in a normal world would have received more scrutiny and there would have been more he effectively shut down the world's economy on his judgments i mean isn't that part of this story Yes, yes, it certainly is. And he 
he should never have had that kind of power. And uh, and I'm glad you brought up the incident at Lafayette Square. That's another unresolved uh, thing that happened during the Trump administration. In fact, uh, there were the ACLU and Black Lives Matter immediately filed a lawsuit against Trump, which is still pending, uh, trying to uh, blame him for violating their free speech when he cleared the part, as he should have, because those were violent. You know, you talk about an insurrection, Ed. Those people were insurrectionists who entered that park with the intention of toppling one of the greatest statues in America, the statue of Andrew Jackson, on top of a horse. And they had ropes uh, looped around that statue and were on the verge of toppling it. When the finally... At the very last minute, the uh, federal officers moved in to clear them out. And um, so there are so many unresolved issues left from the Trump administration. It would take another four years to settle them all. But that's certainly one of them. I'm glad you brought that up, Ed. All right. So back to Fauci, John. Um is the impact of the Fauci debacle, we're talking again with John Schlafly and his weekly column this week uh, on the com archive there is, uh, excuse me, is, uh, is uh, I just clicked through, by the way, in the in the column, John uh, links to a Phyllis Schlafly column from 2014, where by name she uh, takes a, a, a shot at, uh, that's not her style, she, ta- she criticizes Dr. Fauci in 2014 for uh, thinking that, well, we just got to manage Ebola and we shouldn't close the borders, and she said, that's crazy, we should close the borders but but anyway john's column is uh is the uh, red face fauci in denial john is the is the the problem with fauci's um failure is a third of the country thinks he's thinks he's a saint right and a third of the country absolutely doesn't believe him but i think more importantly most of the country doesn't believe uh, government anymore. I mean, at this point, it's hard to believe anything. You know, another statistic that was tossed up to me is, you know, there's been zero flu this year. So why? Well, I mean, were, were the flu numbers in past years lies? Were they Are they just rolled into the COVID numbers? There's zero flu this year, according to the statistics that are being offered. I mean, at a certain point, the Fauci, Fauci is the emblem of the end of believing any experts, it feels to me. Uh, well, that may be true of uh, your listeners, Ed. I, th- I kind of think, though, that uh, we're divided into warring camps in our country, and the people who voted for Biden do believe Fauci, and um, and they simply will, will not are not are not interested in uh, hearing about how he's flipped up on the. Uh, over over the past year and a half on the major points like do you wear a mask do you not wear a mask uh, do you do you keep school, kids out of school um, you know is this do we do we seal the borders and keep people out from foreign countries these are policy these are all policy decisions which uh, dr fauci for all of his you know expertise in pandemics really had no business deciding and yet and um but I'm also glad you mentioned Ed uh, the fact that you know we now we, we now uh, will forever link Dr. Fauci to the coronavirus pandemic. But he's been around over the last 50 years for just about every uh, health-related issue, and including Ebola in 2014. And he was right. the one who was advising Obama that there was no need to close the borders to 
people coming from countries in Africa that were infected by Ebola, which of course is far more lethal than the coronavirus. And then those who are a little older will remember when Dr. Fauci was the government's primary spokesman about AIDS from the mid-80s to the mid-90s. So Fauci is a survivor, as people say in Washington. No matter who the administration is, uh, he is the head top bureaucrat. And Dr. Fauci, or someone said to me in response to the column, he said there should be you should put an X in his name, F A U X C I. You know that's French for false. Yeah. You know, as yeah. in a faux pas, which means a false yeah. step, French. And Dr. Fauci has had one faux pas after another, and the right. uh, <laughs> to Dr. Faux pas. <laughs> don't uh, don't don't start using French in your column, John. We'll be we'll have trouble, John. Um, but 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 let me but let me ask you. Then let me put you on the spot a little bit because I know you're uh, you're careful, like your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, was measured. Um, but isn't it true that? Every president then should come in and just fire all the top people. I mean, it, wouldn't that just be the way to do it? You become president, you say, you know what? All the top people resign, and you and you say, and someone says why, and you say because we just can't have it be that these people are here forever and ever. I mean, and isn't that something Trump should have done? In retrospect, yes, but Trump unfortunately didn't have a team of people to take over, and. You know, the top level of the federal government is what they call the political appointees, and they do uh, submit their resignation uh, at the, when the outgoing president, except unless they are asked by the new president to stay over on an acting basis uh, for the new politicals to come in, while the civil service, like Dr. Fauci, ju- just go on and on and on. So the problem is the permanent government... Uh, that stays on holds over and they really can't be fired uh, but even in the uh, the ranks of the people who are presidential appointees and who should have been replaced on day one uh, they weren't and unfortunately and many of those people mm-hmm. did stay over um you remember that uh, person yeah. in the justice department who trump ended up firing about a month after he was sworn in because she was insubordinate trying to remember her Sally name. Yates. Sally, Sally Yates. Yates. Sally Yates. The, oh, no, the left, the left. The, she yeah, never the, should have been there to be fired. Right. Sally, Sally Yates. Won, but Trump did not have somebody ready to take that position. So that's just one example of the problem with, you know, Sally, Trump, Sally, you know, yeah, Sally Yates, John, is now honestly on social media. They all talk whenever Merrick Garland doesn't do whatever the left wants. They say, oh, we wish you had Sally Yates because she's a great <laughs> hero to the left. John, John I got to go. Uh, John Schlafly, go over everybody to phyllisschlafly.com. Get the archived columns of John Schlafly. We've got to take a break, though. I'm up against a heartbreak. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. When the Soviet Union was threatening the world with its awesome giant missile force, the Kremlin's goal was straightforward. We will bury you. Communist China's immediate goal is more devious, but is just as determined. They talk a lot about peace, 
but they're working steadily to get the United States out of Asia and to force all Asian countries to kowtow to Beijing's wishes. We need a new leader like Ronald Reagan with determination not to let the communists rule the world. Reagan's policy, called peace through strength, is still the best rule. Not only America, but the world, too, is safer when the United States has military superiority. And I was so happy to see that the Republican Party put the exact words military superiority back in its national platform. Communist China is working hard to develop new niche weapons, systems designed to attack us in space and in the so-called cyber domain. Our relationship with China has been dangerous to U.S. interests for years because of our tolerance of the dishonest slogan, mislabeled free trade. There's nothing free about it. It's terribly costly to Americans because the Chinese cheat us coming and going, steal our patents and copyrights, and use their ill-gotten gains to build up their military to eventually chase us out of Asia. Americans should wake up to the fact that the Chinese are run by the communists and they have a policy of trying to lull us into thinking they're peaceful people. At the same time, they are forcing our companies that set up a plant in China to give them their patents and their trade processes. Uh, They're using their Asians in this country to try to steal whatever they can. Americans should take their head out of the sand and realize that communist China is not our friend. Communists never are. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability. Never hesitating to say, America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Got to wrap things up today. Let me, I want to finish with a quote. I'm going to come back to this, but I, I have been rereading some of the founders uh, back when they were writing to each other. Thomas Jefferson to James Madison, James Madison to George Washington. Uh, in this case, a letter from Thomas Jefferson to James Monroe. And it's in 1795, right? So we're, we're fully, we were through the, uh, we're through the, um, uh, the revolution, obviously, it's in the early years of the government, and it's um, there's a period of time when there was a quote unquote rebellion up in uh, I guess in Pennsylvania, I think it was, or New York. And here's a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Now remember, early on, everybody's feeling their way. This is the fifth year of our government, he says, and he says um, he's talking about the denunciation of the freedom of association. But then he says this. He says. Um, the uh but it answered um the perm no and therefore a resurrect an insurrection was announced and proclaimed and armed against and marched against but could never be found and he goes on to talk about how you know the fear he had was that somebody said it's an insurrection somebody says insurrection and we gotta we're gonna have to we call in the military we'll arm everybody we'll get ready we'll march on it we'll do this and they never found an insurrection and what the only difference between the period of time that he was in was they didn't have big tech, big media to go along with big government. Because as they mobilized the military, 
exactly what he was talking about. They, even the phrases, down to the, the phrases, you know, that they, the insurrection was announced and proclaimed and armed against and marched against, but could never be found. That's Thomas Jefferson, 1795. My point is, we're now finding out as we get the details over and over again, we're getting details that the quote-unquote insurrection, exactly like what happened back in 1795, it was named, proclaimed, armed against, marched against, and they never found anything. And at the same time back then, it was used, it was being used at that time uh, to strengthen the hold. Remember, this is a period where they're trying to figure out if they can have a... um, if they should have a standing army and there's a debate amongst the people and they're saying, what, what, you know, amongst the founders, should there be a standing army? What should it be like? What are the limitations of the federal government? In our time, there's no debate about that. There already is an army. The question is whether it can be used against the people. And that's what we should be worried about. All right, I got to run. I'm going to come back to that topic because it's so important regarding the January 6th hoax. Uh, we'll get more into that. All right. We got to run, though. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, and uh, Joanna Book and our guests, and you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.